Hey, one more thing before you go. Are you one of those individuals that check your horoscope every morning before you walk out the door? Are you guided by the universe to tell us how our day is going, how our life is destined to play out, and what decisions we make as we plan our days? Stay tuned. My guest in this episode is going to share with us a deeper understanding of this ancient subject in a more modern way that goes beyond the generalized pop version found in the magazines and online. I'm your host, Michael Hirsch. Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go. My guest in this episode is Michael Spermulli. His approach to astrology is unique as it is practical. He blends his professional training as a therapist and his skills as a workplace personality expert with cutting-edge astrology interpretation techniques that are evidence-based and have been scientifically validated. The combination of these finely honed skills helps you understand your past, clarify your present, and maximize your future in a way that have never been experienced before. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, I may have to grin every once in a while because when we say Michael and Michael, I guess. Yeah, like, I, exactly. Is it me or is it you? It's, it's like that old, uh, what is that, the uh, Spies movie with uh, Chevy Chase, Doctor, Doctor. Hello, Doctor. Yeah, Doctor, Doctor. doctor. Yeah. Oh, no, that was, the, that was Aeroplane. <laughs> uh, <it's> like, <laughs> I think. Kind of funny. Um, hey, listen. You've got you have an amazing journey, and it's a very interesting subject that you have because I think we all. I check my horoscopes every day, you know. I, I you know, some I believe, some I don't, um, but I also notice that there's a distinct variation in in how people interpret horoscopes and and what they say and what they tell you to do. I don't always necessarily you know guide every step of my way with that. But I think that uh, what you present is an opportunity for us to have a better understanding of of how we might be able to. Sure. Well, let me let's since we're starting with horoscopes, I'll I'll give you my opinion on those. I liken horoscopes to the junk food of the astrology world. And here's what I mean by that. A little bit of junk food's okay, even a little bit enjoyable, but too much of it or at the wrong times, not so good. So when you look at horoscopes of any type, and I do daily updates as well on TikTok and all the other socials, a, a good horoscope should give you a tone of the day. And the reason that it really doesn't do much beyond that is because it can. Without knowing a person's natal chart placements, and we can unpack that a little later if you'd like, it's hard to say how much a given horoscope is going to impact anyone. Because what a horoscope is in its simplest form is it's telling us what planets are activated in the sky today by forming specific angles. So you can read a horoscope and say, oh, this is exactly dead on for me. And then someone else reads it who might be of the same sun sign. It's like, well, that doesn't resonate with me at all. And that's expected. Uh, there are a lot of ways to do horoscopes and a lot of people doing them and, and people who say things that are, you know, well, today is going to be uh, a, a day when you get a whole bunch of money. Mm, probably not. But what horoscopes can help you do is get a decent idea of what to expect energetically. And that's the whole basis of vibrational astrology. We study the energy impacts of the planets, not the archetypal models that are traditionally out there. So, I have nothing against horoscopes, 
But I'll say what I always say, and that is, if you make any major life decisions based on a horoscope that you read in a publication, uh, you're an idiot <laughs> because it's just there's no way that that can have impact. But they're fun. They do give a little bit of insight, but you want to use them appropriately. That makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, it really does. I mean, we're going to get into just a little bit of the history of it, but I kind of like to start at the beginning. Where did you grow up? Yeah. I grew up in South Florida by way of New York. Pe people would think that I'm uh, uh, from the, the Northeast. I'm not. I'm currently in Asheville, North Carolina. But I grew up in Hollywood, Florida, which is kind of where the story began, because that's where I had my first astrological reading, and that's when the floodgates opened. Yeah, it's, I think you, you had that in university, didn't you, when you went to university? It was actually between my undergrad and graduate degrees. Right. I was working for a year, and I wasn't sure what the next steps were going to be. And I had never been to an astrologer. And at the place where I was working, this individual gifted me a reading with an astrologer they've been seeing for 20 years. And I said, all right, fine. Truth be told, I was a little conflicted about it because I was raised in a faith-based tradition that said no, no to astrology, thumbs down. But I had the, the reading anyways, and it was an eye-opening experience. I, I remember the situation to this day very vividly. I met with this woman at her home office. There was no smoke. There was no mirrors, no chanting, no woo-woo. It was just her, her big dog, who was sitting by her feet. And she was looking at my astrological chart and proceeded to tell me a bunch of stuff about my life up till that point what was going on currently, and then she went ahead and made some forecasts, which you can do when you have someone's natal chart, because now we're dealing with you as a person. And of course, I track those things you know, better than the weather, and I'd say about 80% of what she had forecasted over the next year or so ended up happening. So that's what got me hooked on this. But I had to end up kind of icing it, because when I went to university, my training, I, I went to get a master's in clinical psychology. And if you mention astrology in a psychology program, they're going to look at you very strangely. I was probably looked at strangely anyways, but that's okay. So I'm kind of studying astrology. I got a book or two and started looking and started going down the rabbit hole. And I said, this is cool stuff, but I had to put it on ice. Until about 2007, when I went ahead and got a hold of some professional astrology software, and I say professional because it's it's very important to designate people who know some astrology versus professionals. Everyone has access to programs online that'll generate charts, and, and that's great. I think everyone should have a basic understanding of astrology. But the astrology software that I ended up working with really helps you do these advanced type of calculations. And I went into that rabbit hole. That led me to the next phase of like, well, I need people to work on to see if any of this makes sense. Because I didn't know. I mean, it was like, maybe it was a fluke. Maybe she just gave me some information that happened to hit at random. So then I started collecting the birth data from anyone who was within a 100 mile radius of me, friends, family, children of friends and family, associates. And I would offer to go through their chart. And it was a learning mechanism for me. And basically, I was following the interpretations that I saw out there. And lo and behold, people were saying, yeah, this, this makes sense. And I even started taking my hand at 
forecasting and say, well, you know, you've got this situation coming up over the next couple of months, transit wise, expect this type of energy. Let me know how it pans out. And then something strange started to happen. People would call me six months later and say, you know, that thing you did, I think you called it forecasting. Well, could you do that again for me for the next six months? I'll gladly pay you. I didn't go into this with the intent of being a professional astrologer. And I said, uh, yeah, sure. And before you know it, I had a little side hustle going on. So that's sort of the genesis of what piqued my interest initially and ultimately got me in to the astrology space. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it's interesting. The whole aspect of it is actually interesting. Can we help um, help everybody understand a little bit of what uh, what is the art of astrology? Uh, we, I mean, because obviously you just talked about software, but years and years, years and years and years ago, right. kings and queens utilized astrologers. No software. There was no <laughs> software. So um, uh, help us understand what astrology actually is. Astrology in its simplest form is tracking the celestial bodies and seeing how they impact our existence here on Earth. Now, you're right. Back in ancient times, all they had available was the ability to look at the sky. And that's how all this started. If you go back and look at the history of astrology, you people would record where the planetary placements were. Every time the moon came out, every 28 and a half days, people would get excited and they would worship the moon because, remember, there was no other information. And then based on that, other things, once the planets started to get recognized and developed, people would plot them and, and figure out what's going on and start to notice these relationships between certain planetary configurations and individual behavior. So that's the simplest form of astrology. The type of astrology that I work with is, I'm going to say relatively new. It's It's got about well, it's got research behind it since the 1970s, but I'd say over the past 20 years, vibrational astrology has really come on to the scene very, very strong because you may not be aware of this. There are many different systems of astrology. There's different ways that you would assign meaning and interaction when in interpreting someone's birth chart, depending on the system of astrology that you're using. And a lot of that has been handed down from generations to generations. But the problem with it, at least for me, was that, okay, yeah, this makes sense some of the time, but then there are times when it just doesn't add up, even if you had someone's birth data and we're doing a proper analysis of a chart. Until I ran across an individual by the name of David Cochran, who I'm currently actually studying with in an advanced program, he is the father of modern vibrational astrology. And what sets it apart from all the other forms of astrology is that vibrational astrology is evidence-based. What that means in English is that there is data behind the claims that it makes to back it up. In fact, in vibrational astrology, we use the same type of processes that are used in genetic testing and genetic sequencing to validate what's going on. It's referred to as extreme case sampling. I don't want to get too much into the weeds, but we're using the exact model that is used in genetics and medicine and several other uh, disciplines where you're looking at the evidence and you're seeing if that matches the theory. If it doesn't, we adjust the theory 
and refine that over time so that you get to the point where you've actually got a solid model that is standardized as opposed to, well, the moon energy is coming in. I expect big things for you. Well, that that's awfully generalized versus, well, the moon is involved. So therefore that regulates feelings and emotions, and it enables us to be better astrologers and much more exact. Yeah, it's very helpful. I think, do you think that the, um, and, and I just read something a couple of weeks ago, I guess that uh, said that the, 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 the moon's actually coming closer to the Earth um, by centimeters, of course, just minute. But apparently, it's been pulling, is getting pulled closer to the Earth and things like that. Do you think that is going to change things? Well, I, I think what'll happen is potentially yes, but that takes forever. I mean, the stars move every seventy-seven years about a degree. So, what changes is the fact that it's closer to the Earth wouldn't change as much what changes is potentially the relationship and the angular distances that get formed from the moon to other planets. Because in VA, we think of things of the planets like circuits. You've got one planet here, you might have another planet over here in a different aspect or resonance. And when they get in alignment, that's when the energy ends up affecting us here on earth. Think, think of it in terms of like music notes. And even if you don't know music, probably everyone knows the musical scale. You could play a C by itself, a C note on a piano. But then if you add a minor to it, it changes the whole dynamic of the tone or vibration. The theory is, and I'll always say theory because you can never prove a theory. You can have a lot of support for right. a theory. The word proof is overutilized tremendously, way too much in science. and You can't prove anything. You either have theories that support or not confirm or not support. But the theory is that when you start to get into these different resonances with these planets interacting with one another, that's what changes the energy and sets us up to either flow smoothly with that energy during certain times, or maybe not so smoothly, depending on what's going on in our own personal charts. That could be related to uh, Mercury and retrograde, I guess. That comes about quite a bit. And when that comes about, it seems like everything is off. We're let's let's talk retrogrades because that's great I, i'm glad you brought that up everyone even if you don't know anything about astrology you probably heard oh mercury retrograde uh communication problems and problems with equipment and all this stuff and yeah some of that can be true let me give it to you from the vibrational astrologer's perspective when a planet is moving quote retrograde what that means is from Earth, it appears like that planet is actually moving backward through space. It really doesn't in reality if you were out, uh, in, let's say you were where the sun is situated in the solar system and you looked at the actual planets moving. Mercury is not physically moving backwards, but it perceptually moves backwards. And again, due to the angular distance of planets, it kind of changes the tone of things. So whenever a planet moves backwards, because all of them do, uh, with the exception of the moon and the sun, everything revolves around the sun, the moon never retrogrades, but other planets do met retrograde. What that means is it's a time for a pause. Whenever a planet is retrograde, including Mercury, that's a time for you to re-evaluate whatever's going on related to that planet. Now, when I say related to the planet, remember in vibrational astrology, each planet, Sun through Pluto, 
and sun and moon are referred to as planets. Technically, they're luminaries, but for simplicity's sake, astrologers refer to them as planets. When planets are in retrograde, or Mercury specific, it gives us time to reevaluate what that planet's energy is about. And in Mercury's case, Mercury's thoughts and ideas, what the research has indicated through VA. And, and this, this confirms a lot of the things that the ancients have known for years. You know, some discoveries in VA aren't quite what we thought they were, but Mercury for eons has been known as the planet of information, thought, connecting thoughts and ideas and does so very, very quickly. So when that planet is moving retrograde, that's a time for us to reevaluate what we're doing related to thought, communication, putting messages out into the world. And yes, sometimes you can have disruptions in communication or equipment or anything that involves that type of energy. It's not a guarantee that it's going to happen. That could be a self-fulfilling prophecy. And what I always tell my clients is just because a Mercury retrograde is coming doesn't mean that you're not going to be successful. I've had people have real big wins during a Mercury retrograde period, but maybe there was some things that they had to end up rethinking or redoing to get to that win compared to if the planet Mercury was actually in direct forward motion. You know, it's really interesting because you brought up um, other planets do the same thing. Why do you think, um, or you can help us understand why we we have a um, more uh, more of a notice when Mercury in retrograde comes about, other than the other planets that you know I don't hear about. You don't hear about Mars doing it, or Venus, or Uranus, yep. or anything like that. But you know, everybody's always oh, okay, Mercury, Mercury, Mercury. Yeah. How come so, the other so ones the, really the, don't? That that's an excellent excellent question. So the reason Mercury gets so much attention, and sometimes you know unfair attention, in my opinion, is that it moves very quickly. And because the planet, because every planet travels at a different speed, the sun moves around the zodiac about a degree a day. So does uh, uh, Mercury, the moon covers, moon moves really fast, moves about 13 and a half degrees every couple of days. But Mercury, because it goes through its orbit so quickly, it goes through this retrograde period three times a year, usually on average. Right now, I don't know what today's date is. It's the 20. Yeah, actually, at this moment, Venus, uh, not Venus, Uranus is in retrograde, but nobody talks about it. Why? Because it's been retrograde since, I think, August. I'd have to go back and look at my uh, ephemeris. Okay. It's there. But tomorrow, interestingly enough, which is because we're recording this on the 26th, tomorrow, the 27th of January, Uranus goes direct meaning it's going to leave that backward motion and move forward. So I'll give you a little forecasting now. Well, what does that mean in English? Because I'm all about people understanding this. I cannot stand astrologers who just get in there and start talking the astroese and throw all the stuff out there and people have a glazed look on their face. I'll always tell you where this is coming from. So the planet of Uranus regulates breaking out of the norm. Uranus is all about focusing on the here and now and the moment and being in the flow. If you think of a musician who's playing a performance, that's a good demonstration of Uranian energy. Because when you're in that moment and you're playing that music, you're not concerned about what happened a moment before or a moment after. You're here and now. It's intense focus on the here and now. All right. So what happens when the planet's moving retrograde? 
Think about what people have been saying, at least in my practice and just in general. People have been saying for months, I feel stuck. I don't feel any momentum. It's like I got ideas, but I can't really do anything with them. They're kind of in this holding pattern. Some of that is probably going to ease up after Uranus ends up going direct because now you're going to have that liveliness back in forward motion. Uranus is a very lively planet. Uh, not only does it help you focus on the moment, but it, it generally likes to break free from restrictions. It doesn't like the status quo. So people who are trying to build businesses and doing a whole bunch of stuff, if they have a lot of Uranus aspects in their natal chart, which is your personal birth chart, and an aspect is simply where planets connect in a circuit, this time can be an incredibly challenging time when the planet is retrograde because you, you feel like you can't get anywhere. Well, the good news is for everybody, the planet moves into direct motion on the 20. Let me just double check that. I'm saying that. Let me check my sheet here just to be sure because I don't want to give misinformation. Um, yeah, January 27th goes direct in the sign of Taurus uh, at 19 degrees. So let's say someone has a lot of Uranus aspects in their chart and, it's, and the Uranus might be connecting to the moon or Jupiter or a whole bunch of other planets. It's going to feel like you've been going through wet sand until it goes direct because now that energy is going to be more geared toward forward motion and you're going to experience uh, a freeing and a more flow compared to what's been happening. So that's a long-winded answer to say that you know Pluto goes retrograde all the time. Pluto is the outermost planet, but that's a generational planet. It moves so slow. It takes 248 years for it to come around the zodiac. Wow. So it's not as noticeable as Mercury's retrograde because it's in for three weeks and then it's out. And then things go, and then you got a three, four month breather and then it comes back again. So it all has to do with planetary orbits and the speed that they're traveling. Well, I can I can relate to that. Mercury in retrograde really doesn't bother me very much. But what you just talked about with Uranus, ironically enough, is where I'm at at this moment. I'm, yeah. I'm in that sand that you're talking about right there. I flow before this, and then all of a sudden I got kind of got stuck, almost like a writer's block, um, yep. but then from a different perspective. And then um, um, I feel like I'm starting to kind of relax a little bit with that. So that conversation right there actually resonated with me more so than a Mercury type. Yeah, and, and Mercury retrograde is not a big deal. I like, you know, some people say, oh, I hate traveling during Mercury retrograde. I've got a good astrologer friend of mine she loves traveling during Mercury retrograde. Why? Because it prompts the need, whether consciously or unconsciously, for mechanical things to be checked more frequently. If you think of retrograde, it's kind of a connection that I made. Think of it as like a review or a reevaluation. So if you're traveling during a Mercury retrograde period, might there be some delays? Yeah, maybe. But you're probably going to get there because thing the mm. system, and I mean the collective consciousness system, prompts people to, well, are we checking that engine light one more time on that plane just to make sure everything is reevaluated? And when I hear astrologers get on social media and say, oh, Mercury retrograde, that, it, it's not that way. I mean, could it be disruptive? Of course. Not everything is a cakewalk. But it's not this doom and gloom like your life is going to be miserable when Mercury's in retrograde, you know, three times yeah. a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you need to have a conversation with Boeing. Yeah, well, they haven't <laughs> called me yet, but yeah, they, with, they can look me up online. 
<laughs> with the door popping off and then the wheel just fell off on a Delta plane and yeah, they need to be checking their stuff. You should, yeah, we, we need to connect you guys. Um, you know, it's interesting the, the way astrology can actually help us in, in many ways. I know that you, you focus a lot on uh, uh, business for people within their business life, correct? Well, yeah. And the reason is, is because I've been a business owner for 25 years. Here's a little more of my history that that surprises people. And to this day, I still serve the corporate market, not in astrology services, but by providing personality assessments and helping them determine who the best candidate is for the job. So my training is, is classically trained as a personality profiler because my graduate work was involved uh, involved advanced courses in personality and intellectual assessment. Well, that's what I do for the corporate world. It's, what is it? Classifying behavior, yeah. okay? What does astrology do? Classifies and explains behavior. So there's, there's some bleed over there. I know how businesses work because I work with a bunch of them. Mm. And I, I never lead with the astrology. If someone comes in through the astrology door, great. We can talk business astrology and what cycles might be opportunistic for you to grow or not grow and what have you. I, forever, I had kept the worlds completely separate. But if someone finds me on one portal and then comes in through the other door, then oftentimes a CEO of a company, and I'm talking smaller companies, and I define a small company of any company that has less than a thousand employees. Once you cross that thousand level, then, then you're in you know a different category. But it's not uncommon for uh, a CEO of a small company or even mom and pop shops to say, we're thinking about opening a second location. Can you look at the year ahead and let me know if there are any months that are more favorable for that versus ones I should avoid? And in that case, what I do is I look at the owner's chart. I look at the chart of the business because you can actually create a chart for any thing, date, time, and place, yeah, because that's what's important. We need the birth date, birth time, and birth place. So for a business, that would be the date of incorporation. The time isn't as particular for a business because you're looking at more mm -hmm. long-term transits and long-term effects. And then we see where that energy all ends up mapping out and where it's going to flow the easiest and help navigate people to honing in and taking action during those times when the energy's flowing as opposed to it being a little bit more restrictive or stagnant. That's an, an intriguing, unique opportunity, I think, to integrate our lives within that. I think, you know, when we look back on history within itself, I, I do believe, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to get a little woo-woo, just a little woo-woo. No, go for it. I, I, I live in the woo-woo world. I like <laughs> yeah, <just a> little. <laughs> get as woo-woo as you like. Um, you know, I believe in the universe and I believe that we're all connected and, you know, I believe in mother nature and I believe in, in how the universe affects us individually and how we try to fit into this, um, in, in understanding, like coming through with, with a natal chart, for example, when you mentioned earlier, you mentioned something about a natal chart and somebody getting their natal chart uh, together. I'm assuming that's when, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that's when you have their birth mm -hmm. date, their time, their place and the latitude, the longitude and all these things that that's correct. have a have a factor in determining. So when you do something like that um, and you create a natal chart for somebody, say if you were creating one for me, is that mm -hmm. something that's going to tell me my past, my present, my future? Or is that something that is going to be able to help me make better decisions from here forth? How does that, fa how does that factor into um, my, basically my, my lifestyle, my life? 
Well, all of the above. Let me let me give a little background on what a natal chart is, because you, you bring up a very good question. Uh, you know, the, the, first of all, astrology is very complex. A lot of people just think of astrology as what's happening in the papers, and that we discussed before. It's a lot more than that. But here's the theory behind astrology, at least from a vibrational astrology perspective, because everything is energy, and Physics has confirmed this. It was last June, I think, and I think there's been some replications where if you take one atom and split it, and you have part of it here and part of it here, then you separate them and do something to the atom on the left, even though the atom on the right is not connected to it physically anymore, it responds. So there's this whole energetic connectivity that is theorized to be going on. At the moment of our birth, when we emerge on the stage of the world, the idea is that the planetary positions at that moment from your unique viewpoint in the sky, meaning your viewpoint in wherever you're located is going to be different from my viewpoint here in Asheville, North Carolina, that gets stamped into our cosmic DNA. And that's like our personal game board and energy to work with throughout our lifetime. That never changes, because when you think about it, all an astrology chart is, is a map of the sky at the time that you were born. That's it. You, know, you see some folks who are like, oh, it's voodoo, it's the work of the, you know, it's a map. That's all, it, that's all we're looking at. It looks very confusing, but once you understand what's going on, it's a lot easier to figure out uh, how all this starts to come together. So that cosmic energy or cosmic DNA or serial number or whatever term you want to use is truly unique to us. Because even if you have two people being born in the hospital at the same time, the time is going to different and the planets are always, is, planets are always moving. The time, you know, two minutes forward can put things in different positions in the sky. So that energy is ours. That can tell us where the energy is optimally designed to flow for you as an individual throughout your lifetime. Now, when we're talking about forecasting, what we then do is we look at that natal chart or birth chart, and we see then over time how the planets in the sky are currently aspecting with those position points in your natal chart. And if you think in terms of circuits, whereas, all right, let's say, you know, the moon regulates feelings and emotions. So let's say you have a moon uh, in, in a particular sign. We can use any of them. Gemini, I happen to have a Gemini moon. And it's just kind of there. And then the moon in the sky happens to form an angle with my moon. So you've got the transiting moon in the sky forming an angle with the moon in my chart. That's like a circuit being created, which is why we often experience certain periods of unexplained emotionality when our moon gets activated by something in the sky. It could be the actual moon that is transiting or other planets like Pluto, for example. Pluto is very compulsive. So when we have Pluto hit our moon, we tend to be a little bit more compulsive and may fly off the handle. That's how the forecasting comes in. So your birth chart never changes. Forecasting and transits are always changing. And my job is to figure out how the planets in the sky are interacting with the various planets in your chart, which creates different energy experiences. That's interesting. I know you refer to um, the astrology as like a GPS for your life. 
Yes. And then that's uh, relate that to the map that you just talked about. It gives us the 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 pathways more or less. Um, how far in advance can you um, uh, like? Do you work with people? Do you work with people like? Uh, I say, Michael, I need uh, something for uh, earlier. You mentioned this this time point, six months. Do you work with people for a six month plan or a year plan or something? And and is that something that uh, that somebody can influence and make changes, for example, or I yeah, does that make sense? That question. Uh, yeah, well, I, I could work. I can go out twenty years because here's the thing: we know exactly where the planets are going to be, based on calculation. Now we're back mm -hmm. into physics, okay? Uh, because we, we, if you ever notice on television, you'll say sunrise is at seven twenty-two uh, a.m. Sunset is going to be at uh, eight forty-three. PM, AM, or whatever. Right, you get the mm -hmm. idea. How do they come up with those exact numbers? Because it's all calculable. So we can look at your chart, and let's say you're thinking, you know, I might want to move to the West Coast, but it's not going to be for five years. All right, well, can you narrow that down a bit? Yeah, maybe the spring of you know, 2029. We can then build, take your natal chart, and then run the transits for that whole year of 2029 to see is the energy conducive to mm. moving at that time? Or maybe not so much. So we can go as far out as you'd like. Most people, when they come to me, they usually have a current issue, and then they want to kind of look down the road about six months. But we're not limited to how far we can look out. I, I, I joke around and say, as astrologers, we're literally one of the few people who can move forward and backward through time and space because I can go back and see what was happening. I can do it in reverse, too. I can go back and see. You can tell me about a very difficult time in your life, and I can then go and pull the transits for that time frame. And not always, but 90% of the time, you'll see some disruption that's mm -hmm. happening that – relates to whatever it is that you were going through. And remember, in vibrational astrology, we are anti-crowbarring. And what I mean by that is we don't try to jam a meaning in there to make it fit. We have pre, not predetermined, but through the research, they've determined what each planet regulates. And we stick to that. We're very stringent. You'll never hear me say, oh, you're going to find what type of partner you're going to have if you look at your seventh house. That may work for others. Doesn't work for me. I'm looking at energy, not archetypes. And I believe in energy. I think we're all part of the energy. And I think uh, that energy affects us no matter where we are in life. And then it connects with everything else. So I'm, I'm with Absolutely. you on that. I think that a it's interesting because I've never heard this first time I've heard of vibrational astrology. Um, it, it's VA is one of these things that not many people have heard about, but I think you're going to be hearing a lot more about it because finally, after many, many, many years now, there's actually some interest in academia to validate what's going on here. You know, any studies that have been done in astrology up to this point in academics have failed miserably because the researcher was not an astrologer. You got to understand both pieces to do the research. You can't just be a researcher from Harvard or Yale and not know anything about astrology because you know, what they often try to do is correlate sun sign with traits. It doesn't work. Yep. The signs are not nearly as important in vibrational astrology as they are in other systems. Why? Because the signs give a little color. If you think of it this way, the planets are the what? What is the energy? Is the energy about 
stripping things down to the bare minimum or really being compulsive or wanting to expand things. All right, that's the what. Well, the signs come in and give us some coloring. Let's say you have a Jupiter placement and it happens to be in the sign of cancer. Well, when you look at what Jupiter's about, which is expansion and making everything big and anything Jupiter comes in contact with, it tends to blow up really, really, really big. And that can be for good or for bad. But if that's sitting in a cancer section of someone's chart, then that could indicate that cancer is sort of like the modifier or the signs of the modifier. So cancer is about protection and they want to protect their own people and their own tribe. So people who have a Jupiter in cancer, they're going to express that expansive energy, most likely in a way that's going to focus on protecting their friends, family, friends group, because that's what that cancer energy has been shown to indicate. So it's a matter of combining these different building blocks, almost like DNA. So that's why I often use the term cosmic DNA. And when you put them together, you're getting this unique recipe of all these things interacting. But we do so in a very systematic way that you know, it doesn't exclude the woo-woo, but as VA astrologers, we need to know, well, where's that information coming from? And it's not just hand-me-down stuff. And a lot of the stuff that's got that's been handed down from one astrology to another over the years, a, a lot of it is viable. Some of it is not. And, you know, that VA's purpose and goal is to do this from the most objective way possible. It doesn't take the mystical piece out of it. It doesn't take the spirituality piece out of it. We just want to know that the claims that are being made are valid. That's all. Which is a good thing. I think that validation uh, helps us to have a better understanding of how it connects to us anyway. You know, from, from my perspective, I think that it, uh, and for many others, I mean, I think that understanding that connection helps us to understand how it works and how it is connected to us. Uh, I have a, a, in mentioning signs, this is just a kind of a, a side question with everything. So uh, how did they come up with uh, like Cancer and Gemini, Libra? I'm a Libra. So I'm a Libra, right. but my sun sign is supposed to be uh, Sagittarius, I believe. Um, my wife is a Capricorn, but she also has a sun sign of Sagittarius. Mm -hmm. um, it, how, do, how does that work? If I can okay. touch on that. So so I, I don't I run the risk here of getting way technical, but I'm gonna I'll give you the, the ten thousand foot overview. So that's an excellent question, by the way, because people will say an NPR just did a thing and said, Well, the 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 stars have moved uh in so many years, so your your astrological sign is way off. And it that just shows that they don't know astrology. Yes, the stars have moved. But when we're looking at signs, there are twelve of them. 12 signs of the Zodiac, starting with Aries, Taurus, Capricorn, going all the way around the Zodiac wheel to Pisces. Where that comes from is what the ancients ended up doing is you got to have a unified starting place to look at where these signs are. And they're, they're like 12 sections of pi. And when we're talking about a sign, all that is is the constellation of the stars of Aries, Taurus, Capricorn, etc. But where do you get the starting point? We start at zero Aries, which is the beginning of the zodiac. And where that is, and that's where the equate the the celestial equator, which kind of runs perpendicular to the ecliptic plane, which runs around the Earth, where the two of those intersect in the sky. And this is all mathematically based, based on geometry 
and placement of, of where these planetary uh, bodies are, when those two intersect, that's referred to as zero Aries. And then you're dividing the sky out in 30 degree increments, starting there. And what a sign is, is simply just a constellation, which represents a section of the sky. And when you have planets in those sections, that's when we say, well, my sun sign is Aries. What that means in English is that when you were born, the sun was in the constellation of Aries. If you're a Capricorn, it means the sun was in the constellation of Capricorn. Now there's 30 degrees. It could be, you know, in the first five degrees, it could be in the 29th degree. And then you start over with the next sign and it goes on to, again, from, from one to 30 degrees in a particular sign. So pulling all that together, the signs show us where this energy is going to get played out based on what planets are being positioned, uh, what planets are in those signs at the moment of your birth. And, and this may be of interest to people. Every one of us has all 12 signs of the zodiac in our birth chart. Most people don't know that, but they're there. And you mentioned two of them, and I'll give you a third one. There's a sun sign. Well, that's where the sun's at. There's a moon sign. What constellation is the moon in at the time of your birth? There is a rising sign or the ascendant. That's the start of the chart. And you've got all 12 sections of the zodiac in your chart, but you're not going to have a planet in every section. So again, I, I want to pull myself back before I get too much into the weeds here because I, I, I don't want to do that. But that hopefully gives a little insight as far as how the signs impact things and more importantly how they're structured and how they were created well it's a brilliant way of looking at it. i think you've explained it very well and and it helps me to understand a little bit more too in regard to how that all correlates with each other uh how does that differ from something like um uh like when we used to an asian for example asian they have pig ox um you're the dragon you're the you know these kind of things or i'm a pig for example in in that okay my, i think uh, i'm a boar <laughs> yeah, well, boar is the same. same uh, the and I believe. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think uh, like my my daughter. One of them's a horse. One of them's a monkey. You know, kind of thing. How, is there is there a a correlation between modern astrology and that ancient astrology? Oh, there is. Now, I'm not a Chinese astrologer. I don't know. I, I admittedly, I don't know anything beyond that. I'm a boar. <laughs> <laughs> in, in, in those type of systems. There are yeah. over 30 different systems of astrology. You've got Western astrology. You've got Vedic, which is very popular in India. Totally different approach. You've got sidereal, mm -hmm. where they're looking at the stars being a more prominent placement uh, or, and, and more influential uh, because it has to do with, with uh, uh, where they're positioned in the sky. You've got Hellenistic, medieval. There's all With these different thing. systems. Wow. And, and, and just a, a tip to people who are interested in consulting with an astrologer, and I, I don't believe every person should consult with me. I, this is not what this is about because you got to find someone who you resonate with. But you want to find out what system they use. And eclectic is not an answer. Because eclectic means I'm taking a little bit from this system, a little bit from that system, a little bit here, and then you kind of got a hodgepodge, which is what a lot of people end up doing. 
you want to find out, you know, if they're a Vedic astrologer, that's a whole different kettle of fish. I, I would do a, a Vedic astrology reading on myself, let alone on anyone else. It's a different system and you can't know them all. So good astrologers know one, maybe two systems, but then work from one of those most of the time. I'm primarily a vibrational astrologer. Do I bring in some other concepts sometimes when we're talking about uh, progressions and returns and moon phases? Yes, of course. But 85% of my interpretation is done through the lens of vibrational astrology. So, yeah. yeah so as far as the bore, uh, I don't know. Maybe we can have someone on and we can, <laughs> we can compare and contrast. Compare it all. Yeah, we should do that. I, I, I could yeah. find somebody that works on that astrology. Maybe we can have a... Have all, there you all go. of us on. That would be great, I think. Um, I know that you combine, because of your background in your psychology and in sociology aspects, uh, a profiler. Uh, look, I'm a cop. I'm a retired cop. I'm still a cop by heart. Oh, so then yeah, I'm speaking your language then. We can I, probably swap notes. <laughs> exactly. I understand profiling and how, how it does improve or allows us as individuals, or at least us in the professional world, world understand how individuals relate in integrate how they work how they you know whether they're good whether they're bad you know how this all works i know you you utilize all of those tools in helping somebody come to you with either a problem or a direction or the need for um some guidance for the next six months or longer in regard to that so how do you integrate that aspect, your your psychology, your sociology, mm -hmm. your biology, if I, if I may real quick. Yeah. So I don't run my astrological clients through personality and ability assessments. But what helps me with them is being able to tell the story of the astrology in a succinct and understandable way. And because I've been doing that for eons in the assessment world, when we get an assessment back, I'm looking at dots on a page, but then I got to bring that to life to the client, which is usually the employer, explaining what it means based on the configuration of how someone scored. So that mindset, which I've been ingrained, it's been ingrained in me since the early 90s. I mean, I started studying astrology in the 90s, but you know, really didn't step out there until around 2010 as far as providing official services but having a foot in both worlds they each support each other meaning the astrology helps on the assessment side of things even if i don't never mention the word astrology it helps explain things in a way that people understand and it goes the other direction too my assessment background and knowledge enables me to then give metaphors, examples, like I did with, for example, the, the music example. Everyone can understand that as opposed to, well, if you look at the harmonic resonance, huh, what? Yeah, I got to make it digestible. So the two worlds really do coincide with each other because at the end of the day, every personality assessment, and people don't like to hear this, but every personality assessment and test or way of classifying human behavior has its roots in astrology. The DISC system, definitely astrology. Myers-Briggs, you can trace that back too. So it's almost like I had a foot in both of these worlds separately, and then they combined.
Yeah, that's a that's brilliant, actually. I I appreciate that. Um, what do you think? I mean, we've only got a few more minutes left, uh, uh, so hopefully I can run through this really quick. No, that's um, right. Listen, you can always have me back because you, here's the thing with astrology: you can't exhaust it. There's oh, no I, discoveries being made all the time. I mean, yeah. I can talk for six hours, and nobody wants that. So. I would, no, I would love to have you come back. I really would. I think that we could kind of expand upon conversations that would just uh, uh, my my whole mantra is to inspire, motivate, and educate. And yep. I think that uh, you know, we're doing a brilliant opportunity for us today to do that, and I would like to continue that conversation. Um, you, uh, let me see, let me get my notes back again. Um, how do you feel about positive signs like fire and air and uh, negative signs, water and earth elements? How, do, how does that uh, play Great, into? Great question, great question, because here's where VA departs from traditional astrology. <clears throat> and here's what I mean by that. Yeah, those things are helpful, but we've got much better data to look at. So when I do, and this this may come as a shock, but when I'm doing a consultation with someone, I could speak to them for a full hour and never mention an astrological sign because it's all about the planets. The signs give a little color, and when appropriate, we bring that color in. So I don't focus much on the elements or the modalities when doing a VA interpretation for someone. They're there, and that's that's fine, and, and there are other systems that use those, that's great. But it's just not as important because I can get to things much more quickly by looking at some of the higher vibrations, which we haven't even got into discussing that. That's probably a whole nother episode. And that really gets to the core of the individual rather than just looking at, you know, fire, air, earth, and water, or the fixed cardinal immutable. It's helpful information to a point, but I think it's overemphasized. And, and, and it gets overemphasized because that's easy to learn. And if you look at a lot of people out there, astrologers specifically on social media, they'll hammer the signs and the fire signs and this. And it's like, yeah, you may be overreaching there a little bit uh, because the signs just don't pack as much punch as we thought. Here's an interesting study. You'll find this interesting. David Cochran, the vibrational astrology founder who kind of started all this in the 1970s, still alive, by the way, doing research. I think I mentioned I'm studying with him. He did an analysis of 20,000 married couples. It was actually, I think, 21,000. And what he wanted to see is, is there any predictability amongst astrological signs with regards to who they will end up ultimately finding at, at their, their mate or their partner with? Take a guess what the research showed. And this is data. This is not just someone in their basement kind of like, eh, you know, we're looking at a data set of 20,000 plus people. What do you think the data revealed regarding compatibility and marriage and signs? And, and if we're, if we're are, are they basing it on whether or not my Libra connects with my wife's Capricorn from that perspective? Well, that's, that's a good um, question. The way the, the study was designed is they wanted to see if there was any statistical significance with certain signs pairing off with other signs, whatever that might look like. You know, I, I in, other words, a, I in was, other words, do, do Leos tend to marry uh, Virgos? I'm just pulling it out of the air. Right. Uh, that, that's that's what the, the scope of the study looked at. You know, I, I would say that you know, theoretically, I would assume that you would have at least 65 or 70% Somewhere thereabouts. Prepare to pre prepare to get derailed. There was <laughs> zero 
Really? Point zero correlation. He worked that data 50 ways to Sunday. There it was no significant. Now, people say, well, well, that's nonsense. What are you talking about? I married this person. We get along. Yeah, that can happen. Absolutely, that can happen where certain signs might click better with others, but not more than chance. You see, and here's where. Here's where the traditional astrologers get a little bent out of shape because it's like, well, yeah, but this is the way it's always been. All right, fine, let's test it. Well, we tested it, and the signs are not where it's at. It's the planets. It's the because the planets pack the energy, and the planets can definitely have some indication as far as what the romance level is going to be like, where there's compatibility, where there's not. It's not the signs, and and that's sacrilege to a lot of folks in the astrology world, but. He was hoping to find, yeah. which, you know, you should never, you go in blind as an experimenter or a, a researcher. And, and by the way, he has a master's in research and statistical design from the University of Florida. So this is not right. someone who's just kind of pulling stuff out of the air. As I mentioned, there was no significance. So that's the type of stuff that VA is bringing to the forefront. They're, they're, you know, yeah, that could happen where certain signs end up coalescing together, but not in a predictive manner to be able to then generalize what the outcomes could be beyond that. So back in the old days when I was dating in the 70s, you'd say, what's your sign, baby? Yeah, yeah right. That doesn't work anymore. <laughs> no, not really. I mean, yeah. here's what it can tell you. It can tell you how they're going to express the planetary energies. So a Leo is going to be more focused on individuality and standing out from the crowd. Someone who is a, a, a Capricorn, they're detached from the world. And they view the world from a situation of observed consciousness. It's like, you know, yeah, they can have a, if they got a lot of Capricorn placements, they could go through tragedy and feel sad and miserable, but they can navigate it a little bit more easily. So it, it, it's, it's not that we're poo-pooing signs. It's like we don't want to over-ascribe value to them where there isn't, but they give that additional level of color. So we can still get a little bit of information about a sign, but not in the degree that people often – Want you to believe yeah. that you can? Well, that's um, that's well. At least I don't have to worry about that because I've been married thirty-five years, so no, we don't have chat. to ask that question. <laughs> Let's tell everybody how they can get in touch with you, and if they need a consultation from you, how to get it. I know that you have some classes, sure. you have some uh, different opportunities for them. Let's talk about that, please. A and absolutely. So uh, the easiest place to find me is blueridgeastrology.com. That's blueridgeastrology.com. I live in Asheville in the Blue Ridge Mountains, so that's the explanation there. I've got all sorts of things available from free up to fee. Uh, if you want to dip your toes in the water, I've got some uh, automated reports that I can generate based on your information. Uh, I do one-on-one -on -one consultations currently. There are times when I open and close the schedule just due to volume. I've got availability now. And if you're really interested in astrology, I'm actually going to be doing sometime in February. I'm not sure when this is going to air, uh, but a building blocks of astrology class. We start at ground zero with no prior knowledge of astrology needed to just give you the basics so that when you hear terms like midheaven, ascendant, aspect, you know what's going on. So all that can be found at the website and I'm on all the socials as well. I do updates. Uh, TikTok is where uh, a lot of the action is, but I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Blue Ridge Astrology and I come right up. And I'll make sure I have all those links in uh, the, the website and to all your social media within the show notes everybody has. Uh, an easy way to contact you. Uh, Michael, thank you very much for coming on the show. Again, earlier when we mentioned about coming back, we'd love to have you back. 
Um, and we'll work on that. Uh, but this is one more thing before you go. So before you go, you have any words of wisdom you can share? In a nutshell, astrology simply shows how the energy is optimally designed to flow through you. Once you get a handle on that, you then begin to figure out where your path is going to take you. It's not about predicting necessarily individual events. It's all about understanding what energy do you have and then how can you bring that to the world? Because when you're in that flow, that's when the good stuff happens. Brilliant words of wisdom. Michael, again, thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciate thank what you. you've done. Thanks for sharing your journey and, and what we could do to better our lives. Um, so, yes, thank you. And for all the rest of you out there, please, uh, one more thing before you all go, have a great day, have a great week, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go. Check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. This.